Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be together in this place. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our, fa our path. We hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. And we thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity we have together, together here physically and if not physically, to join together by electronic purposes and means. We thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us. And we thank you for all of the things that have come into our life today. We begin tonight by coming to you in prayer, and we pray for that special person you've put upon our heart tonight. Each of us who are listening, uh, either remotely or those of us who are here in this place, we pray now, Lord, that you would impress upon our minds uh, that special person that tonight we feel burdened to pray for. We pray for them tonight. We pray that your great mercy and blessings would be upon them. We pray that you would help them in their circumstance, protect them, bring healing to their body. Whatever the, whatever the need, Lord, we present them to you knowing that you know already ahead of time what they need. And so we present them to you. And we thank you for what you will do in their life. We pray for the United States of America, and we pray for these days in which we conduct ourselves. May we live as followers of Jesus in these days, and we pray for those uh, who will. Uh, we pray for those who will find themselves in responsibilities of leadership after voting takes place, and we pray already for those who will be leading this country. We ask, Lord, that you might help us to be faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ in all circumstances, in all situations. This is what we need today. We need contentment. We need to know your satisfaction in every circumstance of life. We need your satisfaction, your contentment through the Holy Spirit's work in our life. So, Lord, tonight we thank you for the opportunity to study your word, and we, we, never, we never come to this time where we don't uh, pause to say thank you for the wonderful gift of your word. As Shauna and the others were singing, your word is a lamp to our feet. Praise God and hallelujah. So bless our time now in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you. If you're here tonight, and I hope that you were able to find the outlines uh, out in the hallway, and we're continuing to think about tonight things you need. And so tonight we think about some things that we need to avoid. Last week we, I came to talk to you about, or two weeks ago, the things that we need to avoid that keep us from contentment. The thing we need is contentment. And so uh, we're, we're going through this, but I'm pausing now to talk about some of the things that are enemies to contentment. And so we'll uh, do that in just a moment. Let me see if I can remember now. Uh, Sunday, is that uh, time change? Is that right? So Sunday morning, so Saturday night, you turn back your clock. Is it go back? Fall back. Fall back. Everybody on the camera, fall back. Go back. So right now it'd be... 5.45, how do you like that? 5.45. So uh, if, you, uh, if, you don't, if you forget that, then you can be here early with some of us Sunday. We'll be glad for you to be here. Tonight I want you to go to James chapter 2, excuse me, James chapter 1. Before I do that, let me just go back through some things that we're talking about, things you need. We finished 2 Peter and those very important characteristics of what we need in our life. <clears throat> now we come to talk about this very important truth of contentment. We need contentment as believers in Jesus Christ. In all areas of our life, we need contentment. Uh, last week, I called your attention to, before I go to James chapter 2 and read our text tonight, let's, uh, let's, let's do that instead. Let, go back over, if you will, and just follow me along here. Philippians chapter 2, let's go back there and be reminded of what we saw Two weeks ago, I appreciate Todd uh, uh, filling in for me last week. Uh, we talked about avoiding. Uh, can we, avo we talked about avoiding 
discontentment. And we looked at uh, specifically Philippians 2, beginning in verse number 12. So then, my beloved brethren, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We have a responsibility in growing in our relationship with God. We have a responsibility to grow in our spiritual life. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. And so we put in our effort along with working with the Holy Spirit so that we might be God's people. For it is God who is working in you to will and to work according to His good pleasure. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And we said those are evidences of discontentment. When I, ha when I lack contentment in my life, I grumble and uh, I complain and I dispute, not only with God, but many times with others. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. So we saw that in uh, Philippians chapter 2 about the importance of avoiding, especially grumbling and disputing. Well, our, our theme that we're working around is uh, just a few chapters over in Philippians, Philippians chapter 11, uh, excuse me, 411. Not that I, this is Paul's testimony, but his testimony of how he lived the Christian life is true for us. Paul was just like us, a man who had to be saved and a man who was the chief of sinners and lived a wicked life and did things that were dishonorable to God. Uh, lived in religious hypocrisy, and the Lord saved him from it. And he says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. So what kind of circumstances are you in tonight, my friend? What kind of circumstances are we in here in... Uh, Middle Tennessee and Tennessee and the United States of America. What conditions, what are the circumstances of our world in which we live? What are the circumstances you're in in your home life, in your marriage? What are the circumstances at your job, in your work? What are the circumstances, as Paul uses the word in Philippians 4, uh, in your personal life? What are the personal challenges? What are the circumstances that you are seeking to deal with in your life? Well, see, all of these areas remind us of contentment. Maybe I should say what contentment is in another way. Contentment is the ability to be satisfied in all circumstances. Now, is that true in your life? Is that true in your life tonight? Can you say, mark it down, I am satisfied, I am content in all the circumstances that I'm going through? Well, for the majority of us and for, uh, for us in this, uh, in this world following Jesus, one of the greatest needs of all, along with Peter's list in 2 Peter, is this principle of learning contentment. That's what we're going to be talking about for some time. We're going to explore contentment and what it is, but before we can get to what it is, we must look at the enemies of it. The reason why, one of the primary reasons why we don't experience contentment in our life is because of this enemy called lust. Now, some of you are going to immediately say, well, this is something for young people. <laughs> well, that means that you don't understand what the word lust has to do with. So that's why you're here tonight, so that you can truly understand what it means to deal with the battle with lust in our lives that destroys contentment. You can mark it down tonight. If there's a restlessness in your life, in any of the circumstances in which you're, you know, what did Paul say? Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. It is the will of God for us all to be going through these days 
where we all have our divided opinions about this virus and what we do and all the rest and what everybody's deciding, this, that, and the other, and we all are in upheaval. Everybody's mad. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody's criticizing one another, judging one another. And all kinds of unintended consequences are taking place all around us in our families and all the rest. The question is, where are you in your spiritual life with all of that? The circumstances are like a sea tossing us back and forth, like a river running down. Pick whatever analogy you want. Circumstances, the seasons of life, these things which God sends into the world and permits to come into the world, make up the circumstances in which we live. Look, as long as you're alive and you're breathing, you're going to experience different kinds of circumstances in your life. Not one kind, but all different kinds. So the way we handle our circumstances, again, I'm, I'm hammering on Paul's words in Philippians 4.11. Not that I speak from need, for I have learned, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. And that needs to become our words. That, that needs to be what you're able to say. So our focal truth tonight is this contentment is destroyed by the enemy of lusts. Now, what is lust? What is the word lust? Let's, let's go now to James chapter 1 and let's read our primary text so that we'll have some idea. These are, I'm, I know who's here tonight. These are very familiar words to you. But the wonderful thing about the Word of God is it's fresh and new for us every time we pick it up. Every time we pick it up. Numerous times I've come to these words in James chapter 1 and even in my days and years here at this church, in my ministry life over and over. But there's always something fresh and new for us if we have spiritual ears to hear and we're receptive to the Word of God. James chapter 1 beginning in verse number 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trials. We've talked a lot about that, endurance. You have need of endurance. You're a blessed person if you're enduring tonight. So these outward circumstances is what he's talking about. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved by his troubles, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And we're not approved until we're finished on this earth and the Lord calls us home. So the challenges and circumstances, afflictions and trials continue all the days of our life. There's some brands of Christianity. Don't preach about that. If you're right with God, you never have trouble. That's really not the truth of God's Word. You're blessed when you endure in your troubles because troubles will come. All kinds of circumstances will come. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished... It brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit teach us now the enemy of lust to our contentment in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So lust, what is this word? It is a word that describes a strong craving. It is that which is inside of us. Some of us go to the doctor. We say, doctor, I don't know what's wrong with me. And we try to describe these inner things that are going on in our body and, and in our mind, these things. This is a part of the old nature. This is something that we all have. We all share this in this room tonight. Every last one of us experience over and over in our life. It is a continual challenge to you in your life, whether you're a young person, a young adult here, an older person here tonight or somewhere in the middle, we all deal with these strong internal, mental, uh, strong cravings and longings for things that are forbidden. It is craving, it is longing, it is desire. It is the drivenness of desire. 
That obviously takes place around sexuality. The Lord Jesus said, if you look upon a woman or man to lust after them, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Yes, yes. Lust has to do with sexual, uh, sexual sin. But there's lust for power. There's lust for respect. There's a craving to be loved. There's craving. There's these desires that drive us to do things that we don't always want to do as followers of Jesus. And we battle this over and over. It destroys our ability to be contented in our circumstances. So we must explore and understand again, afresh and anew tonight. I believe it's time for us to do it. That's why I'm spending this time with you on this, regarding the enemy of contentment, and that is lust. And I want you now, uh, before we take uh, James and go through it a little bit in the outline, I want you to go to Genesis chapter number uh, 3. Uh, you're very familiar with Genesis chapter 3. It is the fall of man. It is the original sin of Adam and Eve. But I want to go there and I want you to take your Bible, turn there, because again, we need to read these words because of what happened there in relationship to sin as it was driven by lust. Lust is that thing which, as James tells us here, uh, leads to sinful action. Just a reminder, you have a you have a summary of the creation of man and woman in Genesis 2. Uh, so you have this glorious, wonderful thing. It's the blessing of all of us who have the opportunity to be married today. The two become one. We read these great words. Uh, in Genesis 2, 16, The Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the uh, but the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. And uh, then the Lord said, It's not good for a man to be alone. I will make for him a help, helper suitable for him. And so then we read on, and the Lord fashioned, uh, fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, verse 22, and brought her to the man and Adam. The man said, This is now bone of my bones. Flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw, verse 6, the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight, desirous to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? So in these verses we learn... Marriage wasn't enough. The garden wasn't enough. The perfect knowledge that they had been given by God in the garden of Eden, it wasn't enough. Something was lacking. And so because of this, we have the act of sin on behalf of 
Adam and Eve as they both sinned against God. And verse 6 is that primary verse we always go to to remind us of this parallel to James chapter 2. James chapter, I'm reading Genesis 1 because again it reminds us the Garden of Eden wasn't enough. And some of us say, if I just had this, it'd be enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. There is within every one of us a craving and a driving desire for things to be different and better than they are. We're never satisfied. That is without the help of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I learned to be satisfied. Have you learned to be satisfied? Well, my young friends who are here tonight, you must learn how to be satisfied. Or you're in for a lot of days of turmoil and trial in your life. You old people who are in here, like me, best you learn how to be satisfied and stop your whining and complaining. Satisfaction is a sign that we are trusting God, that we are content with what God brings into our life and we're willing to serve Him whatever He does in our life and permits to come in our life. The Garden of Eden wasn't enough. A perfect marriage wasn't enough. And all of this, all of this fruit and these animals and all of the, it wasn't enough. There was just one more thing they wanted. What God said they were not to touch. Within the sea, there are strange creatures that live. But I am convinced in the heart of men and women, there's a stranger thing that exists. And it is lust. It never seems, you can't educate it out of you. You can't talk your way out of it. You can't somehow push it down and suppress it. It keeps coming back. And many of you have lived as I have lived for all these years walking with Jesus. And after one of your greatest and most glorious times of walking with God, lust rises again inside of you and you, you yield to temptation and you sin. That's why we need to learn how to destroy lust when it comes. Because it is the enemy to contentment. And contentment is how we build our relationship with God. Now, with all of that said, notice what James says. Let's go back to our outline. Number one, God does not tempt us to sin. So if you've come in here tonight with something and said, well, God made me do it. God brought it in my life. God's causing it, causing me to do evil. No, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone for evil purposes. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and He Himself does not tempt anyone. Notice the tempter, as He's called, the evil one, speaks about the command of God with Adam and Eve and has this discussion and puts these questioning thoughts in Eve's mind, but He did not commit the act. She was tempted Adam was tempted and they sinned because of lust. That's what we learn here in verse number 14. Read it carefully. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Temptation comes from uncontrolled lust and it's in every one of us. Notice it says, but each one. All of you, Pastor Mike, everyone listening, to my voice, each one of us is tempted. Each one of us is tempted, the Word of God says. When he or she is carried away and enticed by his own lusts. You see, each person has temptation. Each person, and I want you to see here the power now that James describes of this matter of lust. Carried away and enticed by lust. That's it. Each person is led away, carried away. The idea of this Greek word for uh, carried away has to do with a soldier arresting someone, taking them away. That's what lust will do. 
If lust is not stopped in your life, it will carry you away to commit sins that you cannot imagine that you would ever do. It will carry you away. It will take you away. That's why there's not contentment. We've been carried away by our lusts. Each person is enticed away by the power of lust. There is an enticement. There is an attractiveness. There is this thing because of the nature of our old flesh that we want to be, we want to have pleasure and delight. Notice those were the words in Genesis chapter 3, 6. She saw it and it was delightful. It was beautiful. It appeared to be satisfying. All of those things. And when lust comes, each one is tempted. Please notice the order of verse 13. Each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lusts. We read in Psalm 106 verses 13 and 14, talking about the children of Israel in their repeated lust and sin against God in the wilderness. They quickly forgot God's work, and they did not wait for His counsel, but craved intensely in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. I'm sure it happens all the time. People who even come to church, to the church house tonight, or in other times, or listening tonight. There's a craving inside of you, and it's not for God. It's not for spiritual things. It's a craving that's going to lead you down a road to deadness in your life, to spiritual destruction and shipwreck. If you let it go, it doesn't matter if you're the preacher or the deacon or the greatest teacher in this church. It doesn't matter if you've walked with God for many years. If you let lust go in your life without dealing with it, you will find yourself in a terrible circumstance. Oh, the craving, the intensity, the driving power of these desires that come with lust. And lust is not only a power, but it is lust conceives itself within us in our minds we see it, we feel it, we desire it, and then we, our body acts on it. We take it. Our body begins to participate with our old fleshly nature. And we yield to the power of lust. And we act upon it. Psalm 7.14 says, the wicked man conceives mischief. Notice these where I've given you this in your outline. It's very important to see the two parts of it. Psalm 7, 14. First, it's in the mind. He conceives mischief, and then he brings forth falsehood. See, if I, if I conceive that I'm going to do mischief, then I have to find a way to be a liar and fool people. That's what... That's what James is saying here when he describes this process in verse 15. When lust has conceived, starting in the mind, starting in these cravings, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Some of us tonight have been destroyed. Our spiritual life is in the shape it's in because we have allowed lust to run wild in our lives. It's like one fellow said, it is, lust believes the temptation, not the promise of God. Lust has its greatest power over those who are not spirit-filled. And that's all of us, because Paul talks about this. The spirit against the flesh. The flesh, there is this power, this pull between the Holy Spirit of God that I'm going to follow Jesus and do what He wants me to do and live for God. And there is this driving continuation of this old man inside of me, old woman, the sinful person I was when I was born, that wants to go back and intensely desires to somehow, well, I'm going to be a person of God and I'm going to be wicked and combine them. You can't do that. That just makes you carnal and fleshly. What is the enemy of contentment? Why is there a lack of satisfaction in our circumstances? It's because of uncontrolled 
lust. And you have to put your finger on it and you have to identify it and you have to be brutally honest with yourself. And you have to ask yourself tonight, am I filled with uncontrolled lust? What do I crave intensely? What do I desire that is forbidden by God? Well, I remind you also that in the book of James, James chapter 4, verse 1, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? That's it. Why do we have fights in our family? Why do we have disruption and conflicts in our relationships? It's because we have our lustful desires because of the pleasures we want that attack others. And that's what James says. Uh, we, we read on in verses 2 and 3 about lust as an empty desire without any satisfaction. I hope you hear me. Lust is, a, lust is an empty promise. Lust is an empty promise. You'll never find any fulfillment in any lust. Lust promises big and delivers little to nothing. Lust promises you beauty. Lust promises you pleasure. But lust leads you to death and destruction and despair in your spiritual life. Look at these phrases that James uses in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4. You lust and you do not have. You just keep on lusting and you don't have it. You keep on lusting and you don't have it. You got to have this, but it doesn't work. And you got to have that and it doesn't work. You want it, but it's never there. Lust is an empty desire without any satisfaction. You're envious and you cannot obtain, he says in verse number 2. You're envious and you cannot obtain. You envy it. Oh, I want that. I want that so bad. I want that person. I want that thing. I want that job. I want the, I'm envious. But you never have it. You lust and you don't have it. You envy and you don't obtain it. And you don't ask for. You don't pray. Lust is never something. You don't pray for things you lust. You're going to go after them on your own. You never come to God with your lusts. You're satisfying them by your own fleshly desires. And when you do ask, you ask with wrong motives so that you spend it on your pleasures. Ask yourself this question. Do I pray simply because I want God to make me happy and satisfy my pleasures? What a sad condition your prayer life is in. If you pray just so you can be filled with pleasure. So we learn a lot here tonight about the importance of lust. Lust is an empty desire without any satisfaction when you leave this place tonight and those cravings, those intense desires start to rise up in your soul. I hope you remember this. You're paying attention to an empty promise. There's nothing there. And once you follow its path and sin, then you find out in despair just how little there really was. Because now you've grieved the Holy Spirit of God. You've quenched the Spirit. You've gone back to sin and you're living in carnality. This is why we need to talk about this. What are the things we need? We need to kill lust, which is the enemy of our spiritual life and contentment. Well, Peter says, and I'll just read it to you for the sake of time. Peter says over in 2 Peter chapter 1, I've given you the reference, verse 4. It's at the end of a verse, but we oftentimes overlook this. Uh, we've looked at these words before. For by these things He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you be might become partakers of the divine nature. God has given us the promises of His Word, the promises of the Lord Jesus, listen, so that we can live in the new nature that He's given us, in the new way, as a new man or woman in Christ. Notice the way Peter phrases it, having escaped. When you get saved, you get to escape from something that corrupts. And you know what it is? Corruption that is in the world by lusts. As Peter says in another place, uh, lusts wage war on your soul. This is the battle. This is the battle of every person. 
that I'm speaking to tonight and who are part of this church and every leader who is here. Lust corrupts the soul and lust wages a. There is no surrender. There is no truce. It is a perpetual battle with you in your spiritual life until you're dead. So let's all learn to deal with our lust. Lust is centered in fleshly pleasures. So what does John tell us in these famous verses that most of us can quote and many of us in this room have taught? Well, he says, do not love the world. 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world. Are you a Christian that loves the world? The world makes a lot of demands on us. The world is hard to turn off unless you find a way to control what you listen to. We already have to live in the world, but not be of the world. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't love the world and love God at the same time. You either love the world tonight in here or you love God. Not both. For all that is in the world. And then what does he describe that's in the world? Lust. That's why I say to you, surely you don't believe that lust is only a young man's sin. I remember a fellow tell me that one time. Well, Pastor Mike, lust is a young man's sin. I'm just an old man. Well, okay, I appreciate that. Don't give me any more details than that. We all lust because the world is filled with lust. Listen to the Word of God. All that is in the world. All that is in the world. You see any people tonight on the news that have any lusts? Craving intense desires for power, for control. Do you see it in your work? Do you see it around you? Do you see it in your family? Do you see it in your own soul? All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh. My, oh, I want my body to be pleasurable. The lust of the eyes, I want to see the beautiful things. The things that capture my eye quickly. Why did the Lord say, if your right, hand, if your right eye offends you, remember the right eye is that idea of those, you know, right hand, right eye. Those little private secret sins that give us such pleasure are driven by your lusts. The lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Lust is driven... Uh, by these pleasures and desires of the eyes and our pride. But perhaps the most specific description of this is found in 1 Corinthians 10. And I'd like for you to turn over there. We do more Bible study on Wednesday night. So if, if you want to follow over there, if not, you can just listen. To, this is a very important section where uh, Paul reminds the Corinthian church, as I remind this church tonight, to avoid Israel's mistakes. Israel's mistakes were all driven by their lusts. Did you know that? And lust brings sin, and sin brings the judgment of God. Notice this. Just follow along what Paul says here. Uh, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 6. Now these things happened as an example for us. What you read in the Old Testament is given to us as an example. These things we read in the Old Testament are reminders to us that we would not notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 6. Crave evil things as they crave them. Are you craving evil things tonight? Nobody may know it. You didn't post it on your Facebook post, hopefully. You, you didn't call up your best friend and tell them, but down inside of you, the secret things that you crave, do you crave evil? Do you crave evil? Well... The children of Israel craved evil, he says, and then he gives a list. I've listed them out here for you. Observe the examples of their fleshly cravings. Don't be idolaters. Lust leads to idolatry. You know, that is putting anything in the place of God, people or things. Playing at satisfying your fleshly lusts. He says, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up. To play. That's what we do when we follow our lusts. Notice he describes sexual immorality. 
Now let us, nor let us act immorally as some have done. And 23,000 fell in one day because of their acts of sexual sin coming from their lusts. He says in verse 9, Do not test the Lord as some of them did, and they were destroyed by the serpents. You see, when I'm lusting and I'm not willing to be content with what God's doing in my life, see, Israel was never satisfied. Adam and Eve, the garden wasn't enough. And all of God's provisions from deliverance of the Red Sea all the way through to the promised land and all the prophets and all of the word of God and the commands of God, it was never enough. And they tested God. Are you tonight, now that the full provision of salvation has come in Jesus Christ, testing God? This becomes very serious for us all. You know, I am aware every time, every time that I do the funeral for one of our people, I'm reminded that we only have so many times together and either I'll be next or you'll be next. I'm not trying to be despairing. I'm trying to be real. What we do here tonight is for the betterment of your soul so that you might be ready to die just as much as to live. That's why we do this. Not as instruction like we were going to university or school, but so that we might take these things to our soul to protect us. So that we might walk with God. Oh, they tested the Lord and they complained of their dissatisfaction. Nor grumble, verse 10, as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse number 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Some of you tonight don't believe you need to hear any of this. This is for somebody else. No, you've got lust in your heart, just like all the rest of us, and it's going to rise up, and if you're not watching, it will take you down. God always provides a way. See, this is we, we always quote verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 10 by itself, but it's in context given after this very long section of Paul reminding us who are believers of the danger of allowing lust to be conceived into sin. No temptation. Oh, now let's connect what James says and what Paul says. Temptation is, comes from lust. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to every one of us in this room. Everybody on the planet. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. And then what does he say? Flee idolatry. What did John say at the end of 1 John? Flee idolatry. It's all driven by lusts. Colossians chapter 3, I uh, added this later. It's not on your outline, but I wanted to read it to you. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to, number one, immorality. The, the world's going to be immoral. The world's going to have all kinds, of, all kinds of styles. and Immorality is not, it, it, it's been around from the beginning. And some of us worry about that and worry, look, avoid it. Don't be immoral. Uh, impurity, which is what leads to open immorality. It's in your mind. Passions, there it is. These evil desires and greed, which amount to idolatry. Paul's defining them. That's why he uses the general word, idolatry is driven and built, my dear friends, on lust. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. God takes very seriously lust in a man or woman's heart. So what do we remember tonight? Well, I've repeated it over and over again. The enemy of contentment is unsatisfied lust. Number two, lust is unsatisfiable desire. It's like a cloud... There's no substance to it. It's like smoke. There's nothing there. Oh, you want it. 
you want it, you can't live without it, you go to bed thinking about it, you, the intensity grows all night, you wake up in the morning and you want it, and there's nothing there but heartache and despair if you act on it. There's nothing there but death. Do not act sexually, immorally with other people. So what happens? People start in their minds and then they say, I don't know how, how, how this happened. Well, it happened because you did not stop the intensity of those desires. Killing lust produces contentment. You have to kill it. Everyone lives with lust and acts on lust. There's not one of us exempt. You can't get a, you can't get a shot. Contentment comes with gain. But I warn you tonight that lust comes with unending dissatisfaction. It'll just be one thing after another. And you'll live a dissatisfied life. When the Lord said, when you come to me, you will have satisfaction. God's best for us is never enough for our lusts. Do you know that? God's best for us in the Lord Jesus Christ is never enough because of our lust. And lust is the pain behind all trouble. Destroy lust, or lust will destroy you. I'm convinced that when the Lord Jesus said, watch and pray, sometimes we say, well, watch the devil. Yeah, of course. I, I, I agree. Our spiritual enemy, but you got another one. Watch your heart. Proverbs says, I'm convinced that the Christian life must be spent watching, watching, and destroying lust before it takes control in your life and mine. So how do we act on this? Well, desires, what are they that are controlling you today? Are, do you have godly desires tonight? Or do you have fleshly desires? That's a very clear thing. You have to face this. This is like when you finally go to the doctor and he says something to you. Now, I really want you to listen to me. We make excuses and we push him. Well, okay, you know, we may. And the doctor finally says, I want you to really listen to me. This is what we must do. My dear brothers and sisters, I love you in Jesus. What desires are controlling you today? Is the source of your discontentment based and founded in the uncontrolled desires of your mind for what you don't have? Are you living under the control of unsatisfiable fleshly cravings? You see it and you want it. You want to touch it. You want to have it. You want to possess it. You envy it. You make something up in place of God to satisfy you, rather than coming to the source of satisfaction, the Lord Jesus Christ, and living by the power of the Holy Spirit? Have you acted on those fleshly cravings and it's resulted in sin? And tonight you'd have to say, Pastor Mike, I'm in a bad place. Well, you can repent of your sins. You can confess your sins. That's what we do as believers in Jesus Christ. We're sinners saved by grace. We confess tonight. We go to the Lord and we get alone tonight. When you leave this place and you say, Lord, I am guilty. No wonder my life is so miserable. I am living in carnality because I have acted on my lusts. And they have led me to deadness. In my, there's no joy. There's no desire for God. There's no longing for the Word of God. There's no intensity in my life to walk with God. Finally, admit your unsatisfiable lust. Tell God what you lust for. Tell him. He already knows. Tell him though. That's how we confess. We say the same thing that God already knows. That's what confession is. You know what might help you? If you say out loud to the Lord privately what you're lusting for, it might help you to be shocked by what, you, what you're feeling and desiring you want to do. That dishonors God and His sin in His face. Don't look away from it. Look at the ugliness of lust. And then face it and confess it to God. And by the Holy Spirit's help, He will help you. Kill it. Remove it from your life. 
Well, tonight these words are very important for us. What do we need? We need to kill the enemy of contentment called lust. James said, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lusts. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And God forbid, when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. May God give us wisdom. And I love you in Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings of your Word, how they bring us to the point of looking at ourselves. Oh, how deceitful, Lord, my heart is. I confess it. My heart is deceitful just when I think I'm right where I need to be with you. And then these things come out of me. Now I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here tonight who experience the same thing. Even when those desires come, when I'm seeking to pray and serve you and worship God, it comes out of me. May the Holy Spirit of God help me to mortify, to kill these fleshly desires by the way I walk with God and by the way I seek to serve you. I can only do it by the help of the Holy Spirit. I cannot do this in my own power, nor can my friends tonight. So tonight we come to you. We ask you, Lord. We ask you to teach us how to be content in all of our circumstances. Some of us want it to be so different, and it's lust that's driving us. Forgive us. Forgive us for our complaining and our grumbling, rather than our asking you to help us, and you promise you will. And may the Word of God bless us tonight. May we think about these things as we go home tonight. May we find joy in Jesus in the days ahead as we serve one another and as we walk together. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, may the Lord bless you. Good to see all of you. Those of you watching, God bless you. And I hope you have a good week. Come back when you're ready. Come back. We hope to see you Sunday. Fall back on your clock. Turn it back. And... Uh, May the Lord bless you. You're dismissed and have a great rest of the week. God bless you.